Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I am Rabbi Barry Chesler, and today's Daf is Masachet Ketubot Lamed, Tractate Ketubot, Folio 30. At the bottom of yesterday's Daf, we were left with the question, what is between the two Shimons, given Rabbi Yeshevav's understanding of Rabbi Akiva's position, as being that all children born from a union involving the violation of Torah law were Mamzerim? In this case, how do we distinguish between the Rabbi Shimon who said that the verse in Deuteronomy refers to one who can become his wife, and the Shimon who said refers to one who can remain his wife? The answer, on the top of our daf, is a violation of a positive Torah law, meaning marriage to an Egyptian or Adamite. This refers to the verse in Deuteronomy, which states that their children only enter the community of Israel in the third generation. As Rashi explains, the prohibition on marrying Egyptians and Moabites in the in the first or second generation is a negative law generated by a positive law and is thus treated as a positive law. In this case then, Steins also explains that if a man compels sex with an Egyptian or Moabite convert in the first or second generation of their converting, according to Rabbi Yeshebab, the offspring is not a mamzer, he has havaya. The controversy in this case is whether or not there is a kanas, even though it is forbidden to continue the marriage. The question is raised, it is well for Rabbi Yeshevav if he comes to exclude on the basis of Rabbi Simai. It is good, meaning if his words are related to Rabbi Simai's, who hold that Rabbi Akiva makes everyone a mamzer except for a high priest to the widow, whereas Rabbi Yeshevav disagrees. It is possible to understand Rabbi Akiva as holding there is mamzerut and no havaya, even in the violation of a negative commandment to the priesthood, but if he is stating his own opinion, that any time there is a prohibition of sex involved, the child is a mamzer, even for the violation of positive laws, then what is between them? It can only be sex between a non-virgin and a high priest. What is the difference? That we have a positive commandment that does not apply to everyone. Steins also explains that is because that is the prohibition of a positive commandment which only applies to the high priest. There are two reasons for leniency. That is for not declaring the child to be a mamzer. The first is that it is a positive law and not a negative one, and the second is that it does not apply to everyone. And therefore, even Rabbi Yeshevab would admit that Rabbi Akiva would not make the Mamzerim here, and the marriage would be effective, which is to say there is Havaya, but the woman would not be in the category of Uyala which means it would then require divorce. And this, then, is the distinction between Rabbi Shimon ben Menasya and Shimon Hatimni. There is now a short sugya. Rav Chista said everyone admits that one who has sex with a nida, a menstruant, against her will must pay the kanas. For the one who says there must be havaya, she is eligible to be married. For the one who says she must be ruyalakayama, suitable to remain married, she is that too. The last sugya will take us on to the first line of 31a. The Mishnah that requires payment for one who sleeps with his sister excludes the opinion of Rabbi Nechunya ben Hakana. 
For we learn in the Baraita that Rabbi Nachunya ben Akaneh would make young Kippurim like Shabbat with respect to Tashlumim monetary payment. In the case of violations of Shabbat, which would incur the death penalty and monetary payment, one would be exempt from the monetary payment on the principle that one cannot be judged with two different kinds of punishment, but receives the more severe of the two. So too with Yom Kippur, when the sins incur karate and monetary punishment. And therefore, we infer that with respect to the one who incurs karate as a result of sleeping with a sister, he would not pay the knas as stipulated in the Mishnah. What is the reason for Rabbi Nachunya ben Akhanah's opinion? Abai said the Torah uses ason to refer to human action and ason to refer to divine action. And just as the one referring to human action in Exodus 21-23 exempts from punishment, so too the one referring to divine action in Genesis 42-38. Ravada Barahava attacked this position. How do you know that when Jacob warned his sons about Sinimu Fachim, generally translated as cold and heat, that these are Bideshamayim, at the hands of heaven? Maybe he warned them about lions and thieves, that these are Bideadam, that they are at the hands of men. Did Jacob only warn about one and not the other? He warned them about everything. Are Sinimu Fachim acts of heaven? Do we not learn in Ebrita that all is in the hand of heaven except Sinimu Fachim? As it says in Proverbs, thorns and traps, in Hebrew, Sinimu Fachim, what we have translated as cold and heat, are in the way of the perverse. He who guards his soul shall be far from them. And lions and thieves, are they the acts of men? Did not Rabbi Yosef say, and did not Rabbi Chia teach, from the time he, God, destroyed the Beit HaMikdash, even though they abolished the Sanhedrin, the four deaths, referring to the four types of judicial execution, capital punishment, they did not abolish. Lo Lu, they did not abolish? Of course they abolished them. But rather, the law of the four deaths, they did not abolish. He who was sentenced to stoning, either he fell from the roof or a wild beast, here understand lion, trampled him. He who was sentenced to burning, either fell into a fire or a snake bit him. He was sentenced to decapitation, he was handed over to the government, or robbers, here we thieves, came upon him. He who was sentenced to strangulation, either drowned in a river or died of suffocation. Rather, reverse it. Lies and thieves are acts of God, cold and heat are acts of men. Rava said, the reason for Rabbi Nachunya ben Akanah is from here. Quoting Leviticus 20, verses 4 and 5, and if the people of the land do anyways hide their eyes from the man when he gives his seed to Moloch and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man and against his family and will cut him off, and all who play the harlot after him to commit whoredom with Moloch from among their people. The Torah says that my karet is like your death penalty. Just as your death penalty exempts one from monetary payment, so too my karet exempts one from monetary payment. What is the difference between Rav and Abaye? The difference is the non-priest who eats truma. Abaye exempts him from payment and Rava obligates him. But does Abaye exempt him? Did not Rav Chista say Rabbi Nachunya ben Hakaneh admitted that one who stole the chalev, the forbidden fat, from his neighbor and ate it, that he was obligated to pay compensation because he incurred the liability for theft before he became subject to the violation of eating chalev. Consequently, from the time he lifted it up, namely stole the chalev, he acquired it, incurring guilt for theft, but he did not become subject to the death until he ate it. What are we talking about? 
For example, his fellow stuck the truma in his mouth. Finally, he chews it, acquiring it, but he does not become subject to death until he swallows it. For example, he stuck it in his esophagus. What is this like? If he wants to take it out, let him remove it. But if he doesn't, for what is he liable? It is necessary because he could take it out, but with effort. But Papa said, for example, he inserted liquid truma in his mouth. Ravashi said a non-priest who ate his own truma, finishing on the top of 31a, while cutting the silk of his friend. Because he has incurred the death penalty with the eating of the truma, at the same time that he cut the silk of his friend, he would be exempt from the payment, even though the death penalty here is karate, rather than death by the hands of a human court. Until tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.